Merry Yuletide, Happy Christmas, Joyous Kwanzaa, Upbeat Hanukkah, Cheerful Solstice, Pleasant Las Posadas, Chirpy Pancha Ganapati, Lovely Soyal, Peaceful Salgira to you all. I hope I caught them all. And that's all a bunch of international December holidays that people are celebrating right now. Woo! This is <laughs> this is Zombie Fishbowl, an inclusive podcast about random shit. With me as always is Melanie. Hi. <laughs> and it's me Danielle, and I know that I probably missed out um at least one holiday there but i did a really quick look to make sure that i got everybody in there so that was solid the pronunciations are awful (laughs) but the the heart was there the intention solid yeah and also the quick synonym google search for happy which resulted in chirpy pancha gana party which is i really feeling that i really like that (laughs) so anyway i um today is christmas in the future um this episode is coming out yes so it's not christmas for us right now but it is christmas for you right now spooky time is so weird uh so you will be listening to this on Christmas or after Christmas so I hope you're having a lovely day no matter what you're celebrating or commemorating I hope it's lovely and joyous and you've got nice things going for you and chirpy. you're chirpy <laughs> and not like me who's a big Scrooge and is just grumpy and cantankerous so better you be joyous than grumpy <laughs> Melanie will be joyous because she'll be at fucking Disneyland. Goddamn right, I'll be at Disneyland. Oh, God. I don't even think <laughs> I could be miserable at Disneyland on Christmas. <clears throat> I would really have to try. Yeah, you'd have to try really hard. And we're going to go, and apparently it's it's going to be, like, just, just a bit rainy. So I'm <laughs> hoping it'll be just rainy enough that it'll keep people out of my fucking lines. And... And uh, not rainy enough that we can enjoy it. Yes. I do. I know what you mean. It needs to keep the crowds at bay, mm-hmm. but not impact on your fun. Yeah. And thankfully, one of the one of the only um, real perks of having scoliosis is that uh, I, I will hopefully get like one of those little handicap line pass things. What bullshit. Ah, oh, mm-hmm. man. Scoliosis. <laughs> Pros and cons. Riding those roller coasters, Melanie, you could do yourself the damage. (laughs) No, it's the standing. It's the standing that that does the hurt. Fair enough. Yeah, no, that's (laughs) me too. I literally get numb legs when I stand for too long. And I have to like bend over like a freak as well. Sometimes because my back compacts. But I do not have scoliosis. As far as I know, I just have a bad back. Um, I was at the market the other day and I had to like go in a corner so that I could like bend over to to like stretch my back out if anyone yeah. witnesses me doing these things it looks like i'm like trying to take a shit because i'm like <laughs> squatting, but like i have to pull my my shoulders up i'm doing the whole motion but nobody can hear but it's like i have to like stretch my spine out basically and you just feel it go, all come out but yeah. i've been told by um chem- uh, sorry not chemotherapy um physiotherapist that i shouldn't do that huh 
because oh, is, is it kind of like the equivalent to cracking your knuckles no it's not because of the cracking it it's the direction that i'm cracking it so because i'm leaning forward i'm pulling my spine in a way that the muscles can pull my um uh discs out basically and i can mm-hmm. dislocate or you know what's it so called you want to pull straight up so you want to up and back Mm-hmm. not up and forward which is what i do you're supposed to always stretch with the curve of your spine rather than against it but if yeah. i crack back in this period of time like when my back's all compacted if i crack backwards it doesn't relieve the symptoms so i have to lean forward to stretch my back out but i could potentially do myself more damage that way so sorry to all the physical physio, physios that are listening if there are any, I am aware that I'm supposed to crack back, not forward. But you don't know my pain. <laughs> See, if I stay in too long, it just feels like somebody's taking a jackhammer to my lower spine. And uh, it is just, it's a hurt. It's a hurt. Yep, it hurts a lot. Just existing. Existence is cold. <laughs> but we're here to talk nice things because it's christmas yes which is nice we're not doing like a uh well we don't think we're doing a full episode today but we might end up like doing a full episode so who knows (laughs) we'll see what happens some things yeah but we we haven't talked in a while too so you know i missed you and we're kind of going at it no we haven't we haven't done the, the the actual verbal chat we've just been making each other laugh via text mm-hmm. because we're about both star trek. Coming, about star trek <laughs> we're both coming to the end right i I'm know two episodes i'm about to start the 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 end of next gen two-parter shut no, no, up before that no because the the very last episode is double length so i'm 24 23 or 24 i'm 20 okay so i'm about to start 23 okay yeah, so, and then 24 is the last short episode, and then 25 and 26 have been combined into a feature length. Damn. Yeah. All right. But we are so close to the end. Yeah, I want to finish it by Christmas, and I don't know if that's likely. Yeah, I want to finish by Christmas, too, because I want to then watch all the films uh, for next gen, and then we'll be ready for Picard in January. Yeah, yeah. What comes after Next Gen? Deep Space Nine. Is it Deep Space Nine? Okay. Are all the movies on Netflix? Because if they're not, I'm no, fucked. no, <laughs> no, no, they're not. Where, I looked at the they? they're not. We're gonna have to like source them from other places. Yeah, there's um, uh, there's a couple of them, but not all of them. Um, I looked, but yeah, we're gonna have to find them from other places. The original ones for um. The original series, all of those movies are up there, but not the next gen ones, not the Picard cast. Okay. Put together the list in order for me so I can find them. Oh, I found a brilliant infographic I will send to you so that you can watch everything in the right order. And it also tells you which things you can be watching at the same time as each other because they don't impact on each other. Nice. Yeah, so I'll I'll send that to you. Geekdom! What happened to us? <laughs> We've always been nerds. I don't know. What are you talking about? I recently found out, though, yesterday, last night. Do you know who Graham Norton is? Yes. 
Okay, so Graham Norton has a chat show over here that's really, really popular, and it's on at the oh, moment. I love Graham. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Graham Norton. Uh, he had um, Henry Cavill on as a guest, i.e. Superman. Okay. And Superman was saying that he almost missed the call to accept the job as Superman. Or he did miss the call and had to call back because he was playing WoW. Nice. So he's one of us as well. (laughs) Just a buff one. Well, and Vin Diesel plays Dungeons and Dragons. So, you know, like, we're everywhere. We're everywhere, you guys. In all manner of hotness, we're everywhere. It's almost as if it doesn't really matter. Right? Yeah. But I'm a Trekkie. This is like a weird, it's a weird revelation to come to in my 30s. Oh no, I've been gradually becoming nerdier and nerdier and nerdier. So no, this is not this has not come out of nowhere. I mean, come on, I was going to Blake Seven conventions and stuff like that, so I'm already in there, already Fair in there, enough. getting shit signed by Doctor Who cast that are extras, not even main cast. <laughs> you know, things like that. <laughs> well, the only fandom I've ever felt like so completely enveloped by was um, Firefly, right? And that was like twelve episodes, and and not a huge. I mean, we're a huge fandom, but we're not truckies, you know? Mm-hmm. We're brown coats. We're more subtle. We're a little bit more subdued. So this is just like, it's a whole other fucking thing to me. And I have the best Christmas ornament ever. I'm just, um, just, I'm sad that it's coming to an end because I'm so in in love and I just hate it. There's been some Dodge episodes this season, though. Yeah. It kind yeah. of... Because of loving it so much, you're sort of just watching it because you know you're going to love it. But then there's been a few that have gone, hold, hold on a minute. This is really shit. This is not a really good, not a good episode. What is it? I just watched, the, ep- <laughs> I just watched say- the episode with Picard and his son. And I was just like, I know Danielle's going to hate this episode. <laughs> I've hated... I've not hated, but I've, I've I've caught myself realizing that it wasn't very good. The episode with um, Beverly Crusher falling in love with a ghost. Oh, God. That was, was so, so bad. bad. It was such a bad one. <laughs> but then you have, like, the awesome fucking um, uh, evolution one, which was great. Yeah, and, I know, right? Uh, that fucked me up. That was actually really scary. <laughs> yeah. Freaking Deanna Troy in her bathtub all nutified that was so gross yeah that was really good anyway enough criticism of star trek (laughs) nobody cares actually a lot of people care and we care a lot but yeah (laughs) this probably won't make it in (laughs) no i think it will i think some of it will but not all of it and just uh (laughs) we should have a star trek episode when we just literally gush over um the whole seven seasons and people can choose to listen to it or not <laughs> yeah yeah like i'm really regretting not just like live tweeting my entire experience of binge watching fucking star trek yeah i think that there's some pretty good screenshots we could do of the text messages we send each other though we have some good ones <laughs> just... there's so much of it <laughs> so much yeah. of it so guess which episode we're talking about today <laughs> oh so here's here's a little update for you guys. Um, what we're putting out into the universe as our Christmas wish, um, someday maybe, as a dream, and if you want to donate to this dream, you're welcome to. Um, 
We're designing or having designed for us matching data tattoos. We sure are. Yeah. <laughs> I basically spent my Christmas money to commission uh, an artist called Glenn Stone, who's a comic book artist and is fucking amazing, to design us a data tattoo because he's an old friend of Turner's. And he's going to sit on our idea for a little bit because he thinks it's brilliant. Um, And then he's going to design us... uh, I told him not to rush because obviously we have no money to actually pay for the tattoos. We'll get this design and sit on it for like 10 years before we can officially afford to get it. I'm not going to wait 10 years. Are you kidding me? Oh, my God. But anyway, yeah, we're getting data tattoos. It's going to fucking happen. It's happening. We're putting it out to the universe. Santa, if you're listening, (laughs) we would like matching data tattoos, please. We did it again. What? Just tangenting. Oh, we went on a tangent about Star Trek. This is because we've not actually spoken about it. We've just messaged. Okay, so we need to stop talking about. I will. I will move us along. Right. Okay. So. Please. So help me. This episode is going to be as close to a full episode as we can make it, but we're not going to do all of the sort of habits, not habits, but the shit traditions, the the rituals. Of our usual episodes uh we're just going to kind of jump into it and uh just real quickly though i do want to thank a couple of listeners who made some suggestions which we have um uh incorporated into the episode today so thank you very much to rj and to small kitten 666 for their suggestions so we're gonna do what you said as well yes, as your the input things. Your input has been received, and we are grateful for it. Yes, and we have done it. Also. Yes. Yes. <laughs> you know what you asked for. You know who you are. Yes. So thank you, guys. All right, Danielle. So what are we doing? Sorry. What are we doing? Um. Okay. So it's a general Christmas-themed episode. So the thing that I have done was requested by RJ, which is just to kind of tell you guys why we've been telling you ghost stories the last 12 days. Like, yes. Why is that? So that's what I'm going to tell. I'm going to tell you why we've been telling you ghost stories. That's what I'm going to do. What are you going to do, Melanie? Well, I I looked into a little bit of Krampus and I looked into a little bit of our pagan origins of Christmas. We. I requested so, Krampus. <laughs> yes, <laughs> and Small Kitten requested the uh, the pagan origins. So, do you want me to start with a little bit of the pagan origins, or? Yes. Okay. I didn't go too much into it, you guys. I'm I'm sorry. I don't have it in me to do all the research that I would usually do for this because I've been working at the mall so much. Um. So I just read a lot, and I'm hoping that I remembered it all. <laughs> Okay, so in pre-Christian winter festivals, you had Saturnalia of Rome, and you had Yule in the um, more Nordic, uh, what are they called, the Alpine regions, Mm -hmm. such as Austria, Germany, uh, Switzerland, um, and places of that nature. I think that also includes a bit of France and a bit of Italy as well. So Christmas falls near the winter solstice, in which we acknowledge the longest and darkest night of the year. 
It's a time when all the harvests have been collected and the average Joe is incapable of working the fields as he has all year long. So the time is usually best to reflect on spiritual matters and to engage in activity that is um, cheerful because it's it's dark. Now it's winter. It's it's dark and cold um, and we're bored and we're sitting on more food than usual. What do we do? We eat, drink and get weird. Saturnalia is a Roman celebration of the god, god Saturn. It's a week-long celebration, usually beginning December 17th and culminating on December 25th. It was a time in which roles were reversed. The wealthy paid the rent of their lessers. Masters and slaves would swap clothes and positions at the table. Much exchanging of gifts, usually of small dolls or tokens made of wax, candles, caged birds, and other small tidbits. Green wreaths decorated the door. Much playing of music, dancing, gambling, animal sacrifice, drinking, and sexing. It was a glorious holiday. They would choose a mock king or leader of Saturnalia or lord of misrule, usually a slave or a person of lower order who would make mischief, and everyone would have to obey their orders all week long. So there's a lot of pagan uh, aspects to that that were sort of taken into the Christian practice, such as the, the laurel wreaths, um, the exchanging of gifts, things of that nature. And then it, with Yule, Yule being a much bigger and vaguer holiday because it encompassed so much. Um, but, you know, similar similar principles. Yule's about celebrating the, the, the darkness of winter. Um, Yule doesn't have a definitive origin to it. Um, that I could find in the couple of hours of research that I did. <laughs> yeah. But a lot of people attest it to Odin. Um, they, they tested to Odin, they tested to a bunch of different pagan deities, and basically the principle is that this is the time when the, uh, the night is being chased away and we're celebrating the coming of the sun. We're celebrating the coming of, you know, spring and, and being able to grow again and go out into the world and not freeze our tits off. Mm-hmm. Um, and the again, reason similar... why Yule is so hard to pin down is because it's actually, even by the time it becomes Yule, it's already an amalgamation of multiple cultures. So it's very exactly. it's very difficult for people to try to get their head around the fact that you can't trace it back through history, because that's not how things work. Things are really complex and they're very much a matter of... Um, um, oh I'll borrow that bit from your celebration and I'll do that and it's to do with the mixing of cultural identities the mixture of actual cultures the mixture of belief systems and all sorts of things domination as well as submission and blah, 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 blah. and eventually you end up with things that we recognize as practices like a yule we would we would recognize certain characteristics with it but by the time it's become that it's already been 50 different things so it's really hard to pinpoint the only thing the, the the reason why it's so hard for people is because once we start writing shit down it's easier to trace and, we, and, and you can actually draw a line but because we weren't writing shit down for ages it, everyone gets a bit like but where did it come from well it came from lots of different places so it's really yeah, hard to go all down because there was loads of different things going on at the same time, loads of different people all putting their two cents in and making yeah, different. I don't think it even started getting written down and documented and sort of like learned about until like the 1600s. And by then it's already had like centuries of, of misinterpretation or just growing and evolving. 
I would imagine that probably the first instances of the pagan holiday of Yule would probably be in Roman literature. So it would be in classical literature. But it will have been written by Romans who mm-hmm. will have had very particular, um, or even Greek possibly, um, who will have had very particular things that they wanted to say. And I was going to say, fun fact about the Romans was that the Roman Emperor Constantine is the first emperor to officially celebrate Christmas on Christmas Day that we know of, uh, December 25th. And uh, Constantine is the first Christian uh, Roman emperor. So there you go. So fun fact. Thanks. (laughs) I've been watching a firefly. So my first instinct goes is to go, uh, Ooh, good fun fact. Remember the whole good myth? Yeah. Yes. Next one. It's been a while. Sorry. (laughs) <laughs> so in Christmas traditions we have the you know the Christmas wreaths and Christmas wreaths were usually actually adorned in more pagan traditions on the doors to banish or um bewilder evil spirits and witches. Mm-hmm. Um demons, dark energies, things like that. Uh there was also, you know, the fun practice of wearing masks much like uh Samhain, to to scare away the dead. This is another holiday where the dead come come running out and and being spooky and where demons just have free reign. Like I mentioned, the little the little imps in one of our previous in the fairy episode. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, this was just sort of known to happen. Um, so again, we adorned our doors, our homes with with plants and and holly berries that would scare them away or keep them out of our home. So holly berries ain't just for Christ. They're for demons, too. Mm-hmm. And mistletoe. Mistletoe is a pagan mm-hmm. thing. Uh, was it luck? Luck for the coming year? Mistletoe? I believe so. Yeah. yeah. Ain't got nothing to do with kissing. No. No. Although, I mean, there, there's there been a lot of practice. Kissing as lucky, though, couldn't you? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a good luck kiss. Um, which, again, is a very practi- pagany type thing. This whole yeah. practice good luck um because i was reading that holly berries are supposed to symbolize the blood of christ which i think Mm. is such a weird thing to throw in for christmas there are other bloodier things that you could use yeah and also jesus wasn't really bleeding when he was born also fun fact he was not a capricorn (laughs) his his real birthday they pegged closer to spring because in the Bible it says, um, uh, you know, shepherd looking over his flock, they would not have their flocks out in the winter. Yeah, we could do a whole episode on why Jesus wasn't born on the 25th of December, um, and and all the all of the facts <laughs> around that. No, it, it was simply uh, placed there to replace um, the pagan holidays of. and also to coincide with other feast days yeah so it's it's again very much like Samhain where when the church was a little bit more accepting of pagan practice they're like okay well if you're gonna do this stuff and we want to introduce you to Christ anyway how about we have a nice happy medium you can still do the gift giving you can still do the uh the dancing and the celebrating and the feasting um, but while we're doing that, we're also celebrating the birth of Christ because, you know, nobody really knows when it happens. So might as well do it now kind of thing. It's 
funny because the feast of the Immaculate Conception happens on this. Is it the sixth or seventh of December? So yeah, she December. immaculately conceived in December and then also gave birth in December. So mm-hmm. something's got to be different. <laughs> so there's, mm-hmm. She was either pregnant for twelve months or twelve days. They're gonna have to decide here. <laughs> either way, it's not very accurate. Yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong, I, but I believe that the Feast of the Immaculate Conception is the first week of December. That sounds about right. Yeah, I, I'm not going to lie. I didn't. I, I wanted to really draw up a whole bunch of different correlations. Um, I just didn't have the time. No, it's okay. I just remember that from when I was looking up the different December um, celebrations that were going on for the intro. And the Feast yeah. of the Immaculate Conception, I would have said, because I would have thought that would be kind of funny, but it's too. it was too... It was it was on the first week of December, so I was like, nah. All the rest of the things that I said have at least one day falling up today, um, Christmas Day. Yeah. So except Hanukkah because Hanukkah moves, but I thought yes, I would include Hanukkah just in case. I don't know if Hanukkah is going to fall with the 25th of December this year. I'm not sure. I I think it falls on the 24th. I'm, so, I could be totally. I only really just wrong. found out that it can actually be in January. Huh. Yeah, I didn't know that at all. But apparently (laughs) it has to do with it's a movable holiday like Easter. So, yeah, actually recording this on what is typically the winter solstice, the 21st of December. But this year, it's one of the very rare occasions where it hasn't fallen on the 21st of December. It's actually tomorrow on the 22nd. Yeah. Um, and I know this because it's my Nan's birthday today. Rest in peace, Nan. Um, and Rest her birthday in. always was um, the shortest day of the year, the winter solstice. So. Wow. Well, tended to be. But yeah, it's tomorrow yeah. this year. So we're, we're actually recording this on a, on a day where um, the veil between the living and the dead is meant to be quite thin. So tonight and tomorrow night is the night for ghost stories, which I'll talk about later. But Melanie's going to carry on with her stuff first. Don't get spooky. Mm -hmm. Um, Another thing I wanted to do, just because it's one of my favorite things, and anybody who is even slightly interested in paganism or even in just kind of shooting down the Christian faith, which is not generally what I'm down for. um, I'm I'm a big fan of just like, if you got faith and it's making you a good person and living a good life, do it. Um, But there's this little thing. That's one of my favorite things, and almost every pagan's favorite thing. The amount of deities born by virgins on Christmas. Mm. <laughs> so just just a short list. Just just to sort of throw it out there. On December 25th, born to a virgin, 3,000 years before Jesus, we have the god Horus. We also have one of the Buddhas. A Nepal god, born 25th of December by a virgin, 563 years before Jesus. Krishna, born December 25th by a virgin, 900 years before Jesus. Zarathustra, an Iranian god, born 25th of December by a virgin, 1,000 years before Jesus. Hercules, or Heracles, not born by a virgin, but born by, you know, a god and a a human uh, against her will, born on (laughs) December 25th. Mithra. Persian god, December 25th, virgin, 600 years before Jesus. Dionysus, virgin, December 25th, 500 years before Jesus. Thamus, Babylonian god, December 25th, virgin, 400 years before Jesus. Adonis, Phoenician god, 
same 200 years before Jesus, and then Jesus, December 25th, virgin. So, boom. Yeah. A whole bunch of little gods for you to look into. You can look it up. It's all it's all there. It's all it's... accurate. Did you know that the Yule log was originally an entire tree? Yes. It was carefully chosen <laughs> and brought into the house with great ceremony. The largest end of the log would be placed into the fire hearth while the rest of the tree just stuck out of the house. <laughs> I didn't know that bit. <laughs> yeah. I just thought they burned it, but I didn't realize they like brought it in. Like, do you remember dinosaurs? Oh yeah, yeah. You know, their neighbor that was a long neck dinosaur that just had to shove her head in. That's yeah. what I'm seeing here, like with a tree just going into the fire. <laughs> but it's yep. sticking out the, the door that's been cut in half. Just a big ass tree. Um and the the whole principle was that you would burn it throughout the the winter. And then you would keep whatever was left to light the next, to light the fire the next year. Um, most people cut it down to about 12 days. You'd burn the log for 12 days, and whatever was left, you had to keep a remnant of it in order to burn the log next year. Um, <clears throat> it was considered important that the relighting process was carried out by someone with clean hands as well. And yeah, it was just basically a way of ensuring a healthy harvest, of um, keeping light throughout the darkness. Uh, you know, beautiful stuff, but it's a big ass tree, and I found that really, really funny to me. <laughs> I, 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 I would like to look up into that a little bit more. I don't, I don't like the idea of them always having to have like a window open to get the tree out. You know, like that's like <laughs> just letting the cold, in. the letting in a draft. I mean, I'm that's... sure there were people that were practical and would pick trees that you know weren't 12 feet tall. <laughs> no, no, going I'm into envisioning like a fucking redwood here. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm sure they picked more like a good like four or five foot tree or something like that. But still, that was a yeah. The vision vision that gave me was really amusing. But yeah, they would they would just they would have it sticking out as long as they needed to in order to, to just burn it. Don't kick the log when you're going to bed. <laughs> it's just sticking out of the fireplace. <laughs> <laughs> but in Christian tradition, they they have it to celebrate the the you know the twelve days of Christmas. They have it to celebrate. What was it the the light of Jesus and to reignite it with the light of Jesus the following year? I fucked that one up. I didn't look into why Christians burn a Yule log um, because I don't know if anyone still even burns a log for that long, right? I mean, I have no idea. <laughs> but it was bad luck if the log went out before 12 days were up or I think it was originally 11, 11 days were up now it's the 12 days of Christmas 12 days of burning a Yule log um, but yeah it was bad luck if it burned out you had to keep it burning solid day and night I wonder what made the time. Catalans then decide to just start beating the shit out of the Yule log instead of burning it I don't know it was more fun Catalonians I mean but yeah <laughs> way more fun. Okay, we're not gonna burn it anymore we're just gonna shove it full of fruit and beat it up call it a bastard <laughs> very strange <laughs> i'm trying to think if there's any other pagan cons i mean there's so many pagan elements to this whole this whole thing um like i said the gift giving had been a part of yule celebrations in saturnalia for hundreds of years before christmas became an official thing mm. 
Um, but then we get we got Santa, who was Saint Nicholas, a Turkish priest, monk. Monk. Who was Santa? But yeah, he was he was like a Turkish monk, I believe, who went around doing good deeds and and being kind. There's the famous story of him uh, coming upon three sisters who are going to be sold off as prostitutes. So he paid their dowry so that they could choose who they married and when so they wouldn't have to live as prostitutes. Mm-hmm. You know, good dude. Absolutely good, cool guy. But the Santa that we have, that we acknowledge with the sleigh and the reindeer, that didn't happen for like hundreds of years later. That was, that only happened in the last like 150, 200 years. Well, Santa being pulled by reindeer, I believe, the Santa that we know, that is literally 60, 70 years old, is a modern, yeah, Uh, so Santa as we know it's literally just been around since the 50s, Coca-Cola stuff. Coca-Cola did it, yep. Yep, Coca-Cola did it, I think most people know that, Um, but there was Santa before that, but he used to wear green, he didn't wear red, he wore green, Yeah. and he was a little bit more like a kind of a cheeky old man rather than like this he was more elfin i think mm-hmm. yeah and, I and, and his his story did evolve to him leaving coins or coal or twigs in people kids shoes that were left outside of the house i think you mentioned that in yeah. one of the episodes yeah um yeah and that was that was santa's doing and then there came krampus mm-hmm. so before i jump into krampus because I, I i'm excited to do that i want to hear about ghost stories so Okay, so um, I I read quite a few articles about sort of finding out where why we tell ghost stories, and I could have gone I could have gone down a rabbit hole, but I I didn't have time to. Like much like yourself, I've been kind of preoccupied. Um, where yours is to do with being busy because you're working, mine is to do with um general well-being things i'm not hiding it from you listeners but i've just been in a bit of a rut so we'll try to come out of it talking to melanie certainly helps i always feel i always feel a little bit better after we've had a conversation but i do apologize i didn't go as deeply into it as i could have but to be perfectly honest it's a pretty simple story and i could summarize it in in a sentence really which was, we've been telling ghost stories for a really long time, but the Victorians made it really popular, and now it's not popular anymore. And that's basically it. But you want more than that. (laughs) So the tradition of telling ghost stories around this time of year is older than Christmas. It's to do with the winter solstice, and it has to do with the pagan beliefs around the veil between the living and the dead. So the medieval period had lots of ghost stories at Christmas time, but we're not talking Christmas time, we're talking winter time. So before it was a Christmas thing, it was it was more winter. Okay. Yeah. So it's kind of an important thing to differentiate that just for a minute. So at winter time, it's cold, it's frigid, it's nasty, it's scary because it's dark for pretty much majority of the time that you're awake Mm -hmm. um it's kind of the time of year where people start to die as well because the older and weaker people come around to christmas time sorry to winter time 
and their bodies can't cope so we get a lot we get an increase in the death rates especially before modern medicine so you've got this time of year that is harsh and brutal and people are dying and you've got to try to not only survive it but uh, physically but survive it mentally so there's a few theories out there that this sort of concept of getting everybody together to tell ghost stories is just as much a part of uh, some kind of like coping mechanism as it is a, a symptom of uh the time of year that it is so it's a kind of chicken and egg scenario what came first the ghost stories made us feel afraid or winter made us feel afraid so we told ghost stories it's a it's a really weird human characteristic actually to take something that we're afraid of and kind of get ownership of that thing by using it as a weapon so if we're already in a state of kind of um fear and uh basically in a grump as well because everything's kind of shit at winter if you're living in that tiny world with you know it's kind of empowering to then own your demons yeah absolutely so the sort of psychology around it it's arguable you could get people in a room and talk about it till you know which actually would be a really interesting conversation i think if you get enough different minded people but i think that beyond beyond all of that sorry not maybe not beyond all of that but contributing to it i think that the sense of togetherness is really important when it comes to ghost stories because if you think about this wasn't something that i read this is something that i thought about when you're sharing an experience with a group of people particularly a ghost supernatural experience you're physically closer to each other because you instinctively reach out to people to get them close to you you don't want to be on the fringes yeah so you don't want to be on the fringes you don't want to be the one that's next to the door on their own everyone kind of huddles in together you uh drink warm liquids or eat warm foods you're close to a fire you're cozy and you're you're close and I think that helps in the wintertime, that idea of being wrapped and warm and safe with the people, your community around you. So I think even though it's got to probably got to do with us being scared of death and it's probably got to do with us being afraid of the uh, existence of the dead around us around the time of year because people believe in the veil being lifted this like like at Halloween I think that really what's made it so popular and what made it so last so as long as it has is that idea of community and and togetherness that you feel when you're all sharing a supernatural experience it doesn't even necessarily have to be a ghost story but mm-hmm. ghost stories are a really easy way to do it because you don't have to conjure up any tricks. Yeah. So I think that if we look at the era in which ghost stories at Christmas became so popular, the Victorian era, we know from things that we've talked about in multiple episodes. So we talk about episode three, Gothic Horror, episode nine, Haunted Object, and even a little bit in episode 14, uh, Vampires. We talk about victorian spiritualism yeah so 
that sort of you know mid 19th century to early 20th century obsession with the supernatural and that's at the same time as ghost stories at Christmas are becoming more and more and more popular but it won't surprise you to find out that it coincided with a commercialization of the tradition so I was kind of hoping that it would be because of spiritualism and it would be because the Victorians were just ghost mad because they were they were absolutely Mm -hmm. ghost mad but it's it probably more has to do with money yeah just capitalizing on the ghost madness yes so what and this is horrible and I hate to be cynical, but this is what I kept finding out. Essentially, the increase in ghost stories coincided with the invention of the Christmas card. Really? Yes. So, huh. there was a couple of articles that contradicted each other, and that's always fine. But what I found really frustrating was that different articles had a different complete decade for the publication of a christmas carol but i'm gonna go with the one that is more consistent the christmas carol was was published in 1843 now there are some articles that say 1863 that's too late it's 1843 and in 1843 the very first christmas card was printed in britain so thanks to the printing press technology they were able to uh, sort of not mass produce as we know it now but start making these christmas cards yeah so um by the time that dickens wrote a christmas carol christmas stories had already been commercialized to quite a you know significant extent uh they were published in periodicals so we've got the periodical press that, um, you know, you would come out four times a year or something like that. Even Dickens had his own. And let me just see, what was it called? Uh, his own was called, quite ironically, I think it's it's called All the Year Round. It was his own periodical he published in. Uh, mm-hmm. And he also had people like Wilkie Collins and Elizabeth Gaskell. They produced um, ghost stories for his uh, periodical at for, for his winter version, winter, uh, I want to say episode, but that's not right, winter issue. Um, and it was making a lot of money. And it was to do with the fact that people bought the ghost stories and then there was the spread of, basically they wanted to make Christmas into a commercial holiday again. Sorry, yeah. it had never been actually. So I back up a little bit. I forgot to tell you a little bit of background. So in the early Victorian period, industrial era, Christmas wasn't actually that big a deal. It was a Christian holiday, so to speak. It was like a feast day. But if you remember, um, it had been outlawed by Oliver Cromwell. Yeah. It was pretty much all the practices had been banned and it really hadn't come back um it was a day that most people went to work it wasn't really that no one really cared about it but because of this sort of desire to sell these christmas cards and things like that 
and for authors to make money from these ghost stories, it all sort of like amalgamated into this kind of perfect opportunity for them to make a commercial holiday. So the Victorians, not only did they invent the Christmas ghost story, but they kind of reinvented Christmas in order yeah. to bring it back from the dead, literally, because really because of Cromwell, it had not been a feast day and a big celebration like that for quite a while. It was, it become kind of a solemn um, Christian day. You go, you know, like it was just kind of like any other feast day, not a feast day, but like, um, you know, like it was more of a bummer. <laughs> it was a bummer as well. It was, it was, it wasn't a very, it wasn't a very nice holiday. It wasn't thought of as a, a, a what we think of as jolly and festive it wasn't like that it was the victorians that did all that in order to sort of sell shit so did you know it was outlawed in new england for over 20 years uh, was this during the 17th century during cromwell yeah i believe so it was so like followers of cromwell's sort of um beliefs yes, pur- puritans, puritans hated christmas yeah and uh yeah it was completely illegal if you hung a wreath or sang a song or fucking smiled during this period of time like you were arrested you would be you could be killed it was just like it was a big fucking thing yeah no joy at christmas i meant 17th century by the way not 16th century sorry for the pedantic people out there i do know but sometimes i forget i did write it down that's why i've been able to correct it <laughs> so basically the victorians because of, of a culture and society that was obsessed with the supernatural with a society that was not that didn't have a very festive holiday to do at december and uh just wanting to reinvent the holiday make money people were pr- the printing press was all part of it industrial shit was part of it so gift giving and economy you know, help the economy and shit like that. So it really is, it really is a commercial holiday at yeah. its oh, core. Down to its bones. Yeah. So I hate, I hate to say that I'm right, but I'm right about it being a commercial holiday. If you did all the Yuletide stuff, like you know, beating it, not beating a Yule log, but burning a Yule log and stuff like that, that's not commercial. But all the other stuff really is. Um, I mean, even just think about Christmas cards for a minute. Yeah, it's pretty much just about making money. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so it it's kind of cynical. But let's talk. Let's go to actually talking about Christmas, uh, Christmas stories, the specific ones, because there's actually something quite nice to be said about this. Um. Notives, notably and, and glaringly obvious here is the fact that ghost stories and Christmas reinvented by the Victorians is quintessentially not Christian. It's yeah. very, very secular. It doesn't actually talk about Jesus. So no. with the... Yeah, exactly. So you can look at this two ways. You could either look at this as a bastardization of the holiday which i do not because the holiday was already a bastardization of other things or you could look at it the way that i'm choosing to look at it even though i'm a pacifist nihilist we're going to talk about some positive things here okay because the most famous christmas ghost story of all time is a christmas carol 
arguably yes. Scrooge is the most well-known literary character in the world. Okay. Yeah. More people will probably know who Scrooge is than Jesus. I'm not kidding. It is that massive. Yeah. So it might be commercial. It might be about the motivations behind the people that recreated, if you will, Christmas for the Victorian era. It may have been for money, but the morals that the Victorians were trying to install are actually really, really nice. So if we think about Christmas Carol, the actual moral of the story is about community and helping the poor, about your family and it's a time to pause and reflect on your life. So essentially yeah. it's about love, generosity, charity, and uh, self-reflection. It is yeah. actually a very, very positive thing to think about. Maybe you could argue that it's got a little bit to do with legacy. So what people think about you, what you leave behind when you die. Yeah, absolutely. Which is a perfectly fine thing to think about. Well, um, I mean, but... It's if considering your legacy and how people think of you after you die means that you do good deeds in your life, that's win-win. Exactly. Exactly. So, like, although legacy is kind of like a inward sort of, if you want to use the word selfish idea. Ego-based. Yeah, yeah. ego-based. Exactly. It doesn't matter because it creates nice things like charity. So, uh, for example, it's very difficult to actually donate to charity and then not tell anybody. People do, <laughs> people do it because it actually makes them feel good and it makes them feel good to tell other people that they've done it. And that's okay because the deed's been done. So I don't care if people brag about their charity work because as long as they're doing the charity work, you know, to help people, yeah. that's fine. But it's, it's kind of why, but when people are motivated by the personal recognition they get from charity, that's different. But, or if they're motivated by the tax breaks from charity, that's yeah, that's, that's you know, yeah. don't fuck yourself with that. Which clearly Scrooge was not even thinking about twice, so we're yes. fine. Scrooge turns into this person that um, embraces his family and uh, becomes a part of their lives because he, in the story, is separated from his family. Obviously, he yeah. looks and he looks on his life through the three spirits. He reflects on the things that he's done and he decides to make a very positive change. He does this change by becoming a charitable and generous person who spreads positivity and love and acceptance instead of misery and negativity and selfishness, essentially. So that's actually a really nice moral. And yeah. so despite the fact that Christmas is a commercial holiday, if you want to derive any kind of positive meaning out of it, look to a Christmas carol because it has all the ingredients for you to have a perfect Christmas, which is it's a rotten, cantankerous, nasty old man that's near his death that you think it's too late, who has a night of reflection in the best Victorian way by experiencing three ghosts, which mm -hmm. take you through his life where he suffers a trauma having to watch horrendous things that he's been through in his life which then transforms him into a charitable and lovely person in the end because he chooses instead to go on that path instead of becoming it staying on the embittered and nasty old man path so yeah. you know there you go it's never too late 
It's never too late. I had some other stuff as well, like, uh, like that were contributing to the popularity of ghost stories. Like, um, yeah, I'll put this because it's quite interesting. I'll just read these out, kind of like fun facts, okay? Because this is the yeah. bits I haven't had a chance to say, but. So, continuing with Dickens, Dickens uh, published ghost stories at Christmas through his own periodical, like I said, and it included stories by Wilkie Collins and Elizabeth Gaskell. And of the same sort of theme, uh, Mr. M.R. James used to have his friends and students come round in his rooms while he was um, acting as provost of King's College, Cambridge. And he would tell everyone his latest ghost story. And he would sort of judge how good it was based on how the reactions of his students and his friends. And I love the idea of a bunch of, and they will all be men, I guarantee it, will all be sitting in this room. And he's reading them like Callan Aberick's scrapbook, which is this infamous one uh, that I think you should go out and read. And I'm not going to tell you anything about, but it's it's this famous M.R. James story. Just the imagining a bunch of boys and men in this room all huddled up together drinking (laughs) sherry and eating finger foods and just having mr james the master of sort of ghost stories kind of you know one of the masters of ghost stories just telling you these amazing stories at christmas such a fun thing to do on christmas eve it's become a christmas evening it will have originally have been on the solstice but it's fine it's kind of just shifted a couple days to the right That's, that's 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 fine to me um also this is fun as well so uh, other things that are contributing to the increase in obsession with ghosts in particular during the victorian era is because of things that are going on culturally that you might not necessarily think about so one really interesting point that came up was that during the industrial era so by the way for those of you not following the industrial era and the Victorian era have an overlap, yeah. <laughs> Not a significant one. So the industrial, the Victorian era is happening during the industrial revolution kind of thing. So you've got people that have come from rural areas, moving into urban areas. You're also getting people that um, were poor, suddenly having a little bit more money and we've got the development of a new middle class yeah and those middle classes are moving into more urban areas and they're living in bigger homes and they are employing servants yeah now there's a combination of things going on in these places which is that servants are to be not seen for the most yeah. they are to serve your home clean it and to do all the things that servants do where there's minimal contact with the homeowner of the house and the you know the people that are living in it as possible they don't want to see you unless they have to see you and when they have to see you you have to be dressed nice so you can't dress when you're you can't be dressed up nice when you're scrubbing a fireplace so those sorts of things are happening in secret while you're in the house yeah to the point where um, there, we all know this. I mean, I know it from living in in England that houses were built with hidden um, passageways and hidden doors so that servants could come in and out of the service quarters and the parts of the houses that were meant for the, you know, lower decks, if you will. Sorry, yeah. not lower decks. <laughs> no, I dig it. 
I dig it. Lower floors. You know, we talk about upstairs, downstairs. So there's they're hidden away. So things are being done in your home uh, in secret, almost by phantoms, if you think yeah. about it. So Victorian people, this new middle class, who are the ones that are making ghost stories popular, by the way, because they're the ones, you know, buying the periodicals because they're literate. They have ghosts in their own homes, which are in the form of servants. So it's kind of feeding into the psychology of it. And if we, when we talked a little bit about haunted objects, we talked about that as well. Um, spiritualism itself is a topic for uh, yeah. multiple episodes. Um but I sort of thought it was interesting to think about how Victorians were had living ghosts and dead ghosts because they have these people coming in and out of their periphery all the time that they, they might not even know who they are sometimes. Yeah, well, and, and even just psychologically, um, moving from from one smaller sort of like lifestyle to a grander one um can be really jarring and and you have all this extra space that you don't really utilize or recognize it's it's all subconsciously a bit spooky yes um because it's it's untouched and in combination with the fact that you're likely going to be lighting your house with gas lamps so pre-electricity you've got gas lamp and and carbon monoxide causes hallucinations oh man these guys are high as fuck they're high as hell they have no ventilation and they've got (laughs) like gas lamps flickering and creating shadows on the walls all the time they've got all of this like we talked about this in the um uh haunted objects episode all this social pressure to um act as middle class as possible and then they've got like servants in their house and they've got this and they're out of control it's absolutely perfect for people to need to talk about demons right yeah got and footsteps behind the walls all the time oh yeah exactly think about that it's so clearly that would mess servants. me up yeah that would mess me up <laughs> yeah so we talk about one of the tropes of ghost stories is hearing footsteps disembodied footsteps well hello if i'm sitting downstairs (laughs) if i'm sitting downstairs and my cat is walking around upstairs i'm fucking nervous like (laughs) i don't like footsteps well and almost all ghostly activity you could go oh that's a thing that would have happened with servants running around the house kind of thing it's real in in those kinds of ghost stories i think it's gone somewhere else now but it's like we're actually just afraid of the poor again (laughs) it's the same thing that idea (laughs) the poor it's the poor they're practically dead already they're scary (laughs) we're still scared of poor people now not scared enough though also i'll just throw in there photography was invented in the 1860s so we've got spirit photography going on and we've got meet people making spooky um pictures so so adding to it like the whole thing with uh mary todd lincoln with the like with abraham lincoln behind her yeah that kind of photography going on you've also got what they called the um the fox sisters in new york in the 1840s which is an episode in itself as well. The Fox sisters were a pair of uh, mediums that, like, you'd laugh at how ridiculously, obviously fake they were, but people really bought into it. Yeah. You heard of them? They they were they would claim that they could talk to the dead through tapping. Oh, 
Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. And then they're like, there's one infamous incident where um, somebody grabbed one of the ghostly specters and it was one of the sisters, like with a sheet over her. <laughs> it's just ridiculous. Well, I can't wait to do an episode on mediums, man. That's going to be so good. That's it. We have to keep, we have to, to divide up spiritualism into the different sections because there's so many good things. So we've done the haunted objects things, but there's yeah. mediums, there's spirit photography, there's, uh, 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 oh god just any kind of seance stuff really yeah well i think we'd probably probably fall under mediums but then we have like those those fucking ghost hunters ghost chaser shows and shit oh my god of which i have many feelings i also have many feelings <laughs> um i once texted or was it texted you or did i call you i don't remember i was saying to you have you ever just thought about just for a minute a hundred percent knowing that there's no such things as ghosts and then watching ghost videos yeah 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 yeah. just convince yourself that there's it's actually quite fun convince yourself even if you've got like a little bit of doubt or whatever just convince yourself 100 percent. there's no ghosts there's no such thing as ghosts we've made it up it's not real and then watch some ghost videos and watch these like ghost hunter shows and it becomes hysterical because <laughs> essentially you've got people <laughs> <laughs> talking into nothingness just freaking themselves out banking doors for opening and closing (laughs) (laughs) and like it actually gets really funny so someday (laughs) just convince yourself just 100% that there's no such thing as ghosts and suddenly it becomes so funny especially (laughs) when you're watching these really terrible ghost shows where they've got like um, steady cams or whatever, and you see like a, a light flickers on and off, and everyone's like, "Oh my god!" And just, just, it's so funny. It's so funny. <laughs> I recommend it to anyone. I, I'll do that. And when we do a ghost hunters type episode, you know we're going to be binge watching so much of that stuff. <sighs> I will have to. Oh man, I it's I watch so much. Ha- most haunted. It's not even funny. <laughs> I've watched so many episodes of that show. Oh my god! All right, so we've been going for a while, huh? We sure have. Um, I, I think a good fifty minutes of it is like Star Trek, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> I would imagine it's probably significantly longer than that. No, I'm just kidding. I've, I'm I'm out of stuff now. I've closed my notebook. I okay. no longer got any. I'm no longer going to present any more facts. <laughs> All right, so I'll, I'll keep this one on, on Krampus fairly short. Um, there is no real solid origin to Krampus. It's it's very hard to pin down. The stories keep changing. Um, one that I really liked, but I don't really hold to very well, is um, some people believe that Krampus was the daughter, uh, was the son of Hell, was the daughter of Loki. Um I thought that was kind of neat, but I'm not totally buying it. Um, one thing I did find was that in Austria, there's a goddess named Perkta. Um, she's a pagan alpine goddess, predominantly winter. Uh, in a lot of the older stories, like Germanic stories, you hear them talking about uh, Frau Hoda, who is the the like winter queen, or um, what do they call her? She's used in a lot of fairy tales. Uh, Frau Halle, she's basically the the winter spirit, this winter ghost creature. 
and um, Perkta is sort of her, uh, what she evolved into is just this goddess. She has two different forms. One, you can see her as this beautiful woman. Um, she follows you throughout the winter, particularly through the 12 days, the 12 days that every holiday, for, for every practice, for some reason just clings to this 12-day system. So she would know whether the children or the young servants of the household had behaved well. And if they had, they would receive a small silver coin the next day in a shoe or in a pail outside their door. If she thought you were naughty, then she would slit open your belly, remove your stomach and guts, and stuff the hole with straw and pebbles. Well, that escalated quickly. <laughs> and if you were naughty, the way you would see her, her, her transformation was into that of a, a haggard terrifying old woman with a long crooked nose and and like branches coming out of her just this really scary beast check her out perkta p-e-r-c-h-t-a she's and cool she's also sometimes huh i was saying that's what people think that krampus has come from so i'm getting there um she's also known to have one large foot sometimes called a goose foot or a swan foot and that was to sort of symbolize her ability to transform but I just like the thought of her having just, like, one giant foot. <laughs> so Perkta was celebrated uh, during the winter time for many, 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 many years. And uh, then it started becoming Christianized. And they wanted to hold on to this sort of concept of this thing that could really fuck you up if you were naughty. Um, and so she sort of evolved into Krampus, who... What's, like, the best way to describe Krampus? Um... Because it, it also changes. Manified. Yes. He got manified because bullshit. He was more scary as Krampus. He's half goat, half demon. Um, giant goat legs, a long tongue down to his knees, long sharp teeth. Um, and he usually carries on his back a sack and holds in his hand a rod of uh, willow or uh, oak, um, which he uses to beat the crap out of you if you've been naughty. Um, there is there's sort of a scale with Krampus, where instead of, like, if you're naughty, he just guts you, he'll, he could just beat you severely with a rod. Mm -hmm. But if you're really naughty, he either will eat you, drown you, take you to hell for a whole year, or just take you to hell forever. Mm. The stories changed. I've I read like 15 different descriptions of Krampus. It depends as far on as... how naughty the child was. Yeah, right? Listen, Hans, this is so naughty that I think this might be a year in hell. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, but again, a lot of this also comes from the fact that Santa or Santa Claus was believed to leave you either a gold coin or a candy in your, or a coin or a candy in your shoe or mm -hmm. a stick. And they liked the stick thing. Yeah. So they, they gave Krampus the stick and they gave Sinterklaas the the candy. So as we get more and more Christianized, Krampus becomes the, not even antithesis, he's not the enemy of Santa. They work in cahoots. So Santa's the good guy, Krampus is the bad guy. Yeah, the counterpart. Exactly. They're, they were like, like a strange brothers or something. That's that's kind of it. Like I said, there's 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 a lot of stories to Krampus, but they're all 
different. So it's hard to give you a good solid, like, this is Krampus. This is where he came from. The best one that I can find is that he evolved from Perkta of Austrian mythology. And I guess he, she wasn't even really mentioned, nor um, Frau Halle, until like the Brothers Grimm. Mm. And that's kind of when we started becoming more involved in sort of the, the anti-Klaus, which would be Krampus. We don't have, in sort of modern Western culture, well, sorry, I shouldn't say modern Western, because the Europe is the West, but I should say Britain and the United States, we don't have these sort of anti-heroes anymore. These, not anti-heroes, but sort of um, bad guys anymore, do we? Yeah. It's, it's so bizarre. We've kind of gotten rid of the, if you're naughty, this will happen to you. Yeah. It's kind of, I mean, it's probably better for children, but we know that, I don't know. I don't know. I children always enjoy really being scared. Terrified. I was always really terrified of getting coal. But that I, isn't I don't know about anything else. That is, no. To receive coal is not scary. It's disappointing no, but it, and it's annoying. <laughs> yeah, I would have been just really disappointed with myself if I had received coal and I wasn't ready to like handle that level of disappointment in myself. But if we thought, if we had like a counter Santa that came and beat the shit out of us, I think or that tore open fun. our guts. Yeah. What's happened to us? We're so soft. So soft. <laughs> Kids these days. <sighs> Anywho. Right, so um, I don't know so, how this edit is going to sound because uh, Melanie and I just talked for probably about an hour. Um, yeah. It's not going to make it in, I don't think. Uh, it's rather emotive political speech. But yeah. Um, what we I need to get some things off our chest. We need to get some things off our chest. I do not feel better. <laughs> But what I'm going to do is I'm going to talk. I'm going to switch my language into more positive things. So this is the end of the episode. I really do genuinely hope that you're having a lovely Christmas. If you're listening to this on Christmas Day, thank you for letting us be a part of your Christmas celebrations. That's really genuinely lovely uh, that you've taken some time out on Christmas Day to listen to Zombie Fishbowl podcast. That's fucking awesome. So to those people, Merry Christmas. For everybody who's listening after Christmas time, um, I love we love you too, and we hope that you've had a really nice Yule tide, yeah. uh, winter solstice, Hanukkah, Las Posadas, or any of those lovely December <laughs> celebrations. Genuinely, genuinely, there's so much horrible, horrible things to say. But hold your loved ones dear. Yes. Have a good have a good holiday and really just soak in the love and positivity and good vibes because we need it. We all need it right now. Yeah, and I think that we should reflect on the morals of a Christmas carol itself where we talk about becoming closer to our family. Uh, uh, that can include your friends you can choose your family as well Um, being more charitable and generous and considerate and hopefully those positive traits will rub off on other people and 
we won't be spreading so much sorry positive talking that we will spread joy it's really hard actually to not say oh Danielle it was a long talk you guys (laughs) good It was a long, unhappy talk, but it was it was needed, I think. <laughs> I think they say cathartic. Yeah, yeah. Still makes me want to have a cigarette. I know, I know. I know. <laughs> oh, and, and on a quick note, again, I really wanted to apologize. I know that some of my edits on my stories were not so great. I've been having some microphone problems, but I've been trying real hard. And they're good stories. And if you want me to re-record them and do them properly and where they don't sound like butt, I will gladly do so. But, yeah, I I do hope you enjoyed them and were able to listen past the the uh, mediocre quality. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I think you're giving yourself too much grief. Nobody's complaining. Give a, yeah, well, you know how it is. You see something that you do yourself and you're like, oh, I could have done that ten times better. Kind yes. Of, kind of thing. Daily. <laughs> I wanted to also remind you guys that we're now off until the new year. Um, so our first episode will be about halfway through J- uh, January um, with the Four Horsemen episode, Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse. Very fitting. Yes. Uh, <laughs> starting the year off with the apocalypse. It what better only... way to start it? Yeah, I know. It can only get better from there, right? All right, you guys, we love you. Happy Yule. Happy winter in general and all the celebrations therein. I love you guys. So if you like this, if you have any um, opinions, if you want to know or if you have any ideas on what the apocalypse is going to be like and you want us to talk about it, hit us up on our Facebook, our Instagram, our Twitter at Zombie Fishbowl or Zombie Fishbowl Podcast. We're easy enough to find. Any topics you have for future episodes, please shoot us an email at zombiefishbowlpodcast at gmail.com. We will throw it onto our list with your name and your social security number and all the important information so we can steal your identity and your ideas. We love you. And uh, with that, a Merry Christmas to all and to all a good night. Bah humbug! <laughs> <laughs> I was scared, I was angry. <laughs> I was really angry. <laughs> I liked it. <laughs> oh, Bye.